Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. And I'm Richard. And this week in episode uh, six, we've yes, episode we're six already. Six of these. Hopefully, you're all still listening. I hope so. I hope so. I hope we're building an audience out there. But episode six is Cecily. Now, I didn't know this, but according to um, various sources, it has alternative names, which includes servants and haunted house. But I'd certainly always name this one as Cecily. Cecily. I, I don't know whether it's one of the ones that doesn't actually have a title on the on the runner on the leader on the clapperboard or the leader thing. Some do, some don't. I think. Uh, yeah, but certainly, it's, look, I've always named it as Cecily, but it does have other names. This episode was broadcast at 10 p.m. on Sunday, the 13th of December, mm. 1970. So we're continuing there. Now, gentlemen, I'll lead off the discussion on this occasion because I think this episode is going to be interesting. Not because it's a classic episode. In fact, I think it's not a classic episode. But because it's going to lead us into some discussions about where the series was going in Season 1. Uh, so we'll, we'll pursue that a bit further. But, but look, there was some good stuff in this episode, but it really failed to work for me. And it, it wasn't a case, as per the Greenies last week, of a nice idea not very well done. It wasn't a case of caught in the act the week before of just a wrong idea. This one, I just get the feeling they may be trying something different and it just doesn't work. Um, but that's just my view. Uh, Richard, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I, I probably would take the tack. It, it was an idea that perhaps um, wasn't pursued properly. I mean, the, the night in the haunted house trope is one I would have thought you could have mined fairly heavily for yeah. material. Very Scooby-Doo. Um, it is, but I mean, a lot of things are. I mean, look, even, you know, I mean, we, we all love Doctor Who's horror of Fang Rock. I mean, that is essentially much the same yes. idea. It's a night in a haunted, a night in an enclosed location, and you have to survive until morning. Um, this sort of starts off, seems to start off on that premise, and then it goes off on this whole sort of weird tangent where there's the film sequences of Graham in the garden and, and uh, Bill sort of trying to wrestle with to, to make the pie. Um, and then it sort <laughs> yes. of seems to come back to the original idea and then, I don't know, it just doesn't really seem to go anywhere with it. Um, I, mean, it's got, I mean, it's got the twist at the end, but it just didn't feel particularly well, real realised. And, and we'll, I come, think. we'll come back to the twist at the end because I've got a few, quite a few comments about that, but Rob, what are your initial thoughts? Well, I watched this about a month ago for the first time in many years and I didn't, I didn't like it at all. I thought it was particularly disjointed I don't know I, I can see where Richard's coming from where there's probably insufficient material for the running length that said I watched it I rewatched it a couple of nights ago and I enjoyed it I enjoyed it more I thought the the start of it was quite amusing where they're looking for work and there's that there's that interplay and for me I often find that I'm sort of coming to the realization that when the three lads are you know, interacting with each other and not necessarily the plot, that's quite funny. Mm. That's quite funny. So, um, re-watching it a second time recently, I, I, I got a bit more out of it. You, you're right, though. I mean, there is a Scooby-Doo aspect to it in that middle sequence where they're actually spending the night there that doesn't work at all. It's, it's half-baked, it's cheap, 
it's it's not funny at all. Okay, so let's just go through a few general points. Um, first of all, we've got a couple of guest actors and or an actor and an actress. Uh, one of whom I sort of got a bit excited by is Dodo McIntosh from Rumpole the Bailey. So it was actually an actress I'd seen before. Um, the gentleman, though. Oh, that was Anne Anne Way. Yes, she's also in. Um, she's also in an episode of Faulty Towers. Oh, uh, the oh, Gourmet, that's the right. Gourmet Night episode. Yes, oh, I, I had seen her before. I yes. seen Faulty Towers. No, she's in quite a bit of other stuff too. But um, and Robert Burnell as the uncle. Um, I thought they were actually, in some ways, the highlight of the episode because they actually have a very funny but spooky performance. I thought. I thought she was a bit too knowing, a bit too obvious. Okay. He, he, he was all right. He had the voice for it, the sort of They're, sinister voice. Yeah, I, I don't know, because, again, it's, it's just not terrible realised. I mean, it's obviously meant to think there's something clearly a bit wrong with weird, weird or wrong with them. Well, well let's, let's, but, let's jump to that, because the, the biggest note I had on this, in great big, huge block capital letters on my note, is um, WTF was going on in the whole episode because you get to, so you've got that part with the aunt and uncle where it's being set up that maybe they're up to something a bit dodgy uh, you then go through and you find the grandma and what purports to be the grandma in the cellar yep. you've got all the stuff with Cecily you've got all the stuff that goes on in the haunted house type stuff that we'll talk about then the twist as you say is obviously that Cecily's the not quite right one if that's the case what was actually going on that whole episode? Why are the aunt and uncle like that? Mm. Was, it, was it Cecily running all of those tricks? It, it is, because it just comes out and... I mean, it, yeah, it, it comes it's not telegraphed at all. No, no. no. And, and you sort of think, well, clearly they're not going to play it straight, so it is actually the aunt and uncle are weird and they're going to get her away, but it just really... It doesn't come from anywhere. It just suddenly it's like we've got 30 seconds to go, what are we going to do? Um, yeah. and, and as a, I guess as a one-off gag, if you're watching it once and you never expect to see it repeated... It kind of works as a twist, but the moment you look below the surface at all, all the stuff that's going by hand, just, I just don't think it works. I don't think there's any conceivable way that Cecily was doing all the stuff that was going on, and if she was, what was her motivation? Mm. It, I, I just think the whole thing doesn't work in that, in, on that level, but there are some good stuff along the way. Yes. No, I, I can see that, definitely. Definitely, because... Horror and comedy, well, it's not really horror episode, but horror and comedy can work together. We've seen that in the Scream movies, for instance, in the Scream TV mm. series. Yeah. But you, you're right. This Cecily should have been there. Should have been something sort of more wrong with her through her from when she appears until the very end. Or, or even sorry, even even though it might be a bit obvious, something like "Oh my God, Cecily disappeared." Yeah. Then all this weird stuff starts mm. happening, no. and then they find her and they go, "Oh my God, I was so scared." Da da da. da. You at least go, okay, she was missing and she could have been the behind, behind, behind her. Yep. Um, but there's none of that. Mm, no. You're right. No. We have our filmed sequences, which I think, in, um, and we've said this a few times in episode one. Now, some of us, more, I mean, you guys more than myself, I think, have found the film sequences the highlights. This one, I think, is undoubtedly the highlight. Yes. Um, there's some good stuff in there or, or is this one where you guys disagree no look I, I think again as, as I think it was Rob pointed out there, there's some quite good stuff in the first few minutes where the three goodies are just in their office just interplaying between themselves that that's, that was quite good but you're right I mean as I said they sort of set it up as this haunted house thing and then for the next 10 minutes 15 minutes they just don't do anything with it really look I can understand if you're younger if you're like we were when we started watching it like 7 or 8 or 9 or 10 
it works. I think it works because you're a kid and you're seeing a skull and you're seeing a giant spider and you're seeing sinister paintings. Can, can I say the image of the giant spider lifting off Bill? Yeah. Mm. That is deeply, deeply emblazoned yeah. in the memory from my yes. childhood. That, that is a very powerful image. Yeah, so that works as an adult. None of it works. It's too perfunctory. It, there's no sense of spookiness that, that a, a laugh would leaven. No. But in terms of going back to um, the, uh, the film sequences, as I said, I think in uh, episode one, so many weeks ago now, Graham is a genius. I'd, I love watching Graham out, out in the garden. You know, he opens the box up and gets the weed killer out. It's a, it's a mallet. And yeah. he's, he's not just merely hitting, he's leaping about. And, and just, yeah, really throwing himself into it. He really, and it's, it is, I, I mean, when I was watching this last night, um, that was a laugh out loud moment. It just very, very funny. He's a very funny It was, fellow. but it sort of intercut with the scenes of Bill with the, with the trying to make yes. the pie, which really didn't, uh, didn't hit the same note. Really, I didn't find that... It's very laboured. Very laboured, and it's the sort of comedy you'd do if your character was completely stupid. Mm. Now, Bill, Bill, as we've had him so far, and I guess we're going to talk about their characters in a moment, but Bill has not been portrayed as stupid. He's he's more working class, he's mm. more of a labourer, you know, that sort of thing. Um, he's but probably he's more been, oofish than the others, but, yeah, but he's not more as, basic, shall yeah, we Yeah, but he's, say. Not, he's never been portrayed as thick. As thick. No. And, and indeed, it's only the last episode where he's the one that comes up with the the biblical quote to get the, the vicar mm. on side. So yes. to have him suddenly incapable of even, you know, boiling an egg, mm. it, it just, it's trying too hard, I think. Yeah, it's not it's not true to the character. Uh, you're right, it was laboured. It didn't mm. really, uh, it was just in a cut with the scenes of Graham, which were really well done. And you could, I could hear the audience, or the, the lack of any sort of laughter from the audience. I mean, mm. there was a couple of chuckles from memory yeah, and all clearly. that sort of thing. And they just weren't getting into it because it is... It meanders. It, it doesn't. It, it just doesn't hit any particular point. No. No, and it's also got a very weird cliffhanger, which is the discovery of a skeleton in the. I mean, look, the, the, the resolution I must admit is quite, is one of the better bits. Where the, you know you see Graham just oh there there you know it's okay we're here now and he's clearly he's talking down like he's talking to a child, and then <laughs> yeah. it comes down and it's Tim. It's Tim. But... Yeah. That, that, that's that's very very funny, but it. I, I having having watched the series in order so far up to episode six, this one just really felt like a very ungoodies moment. Um, I mean, Tim's obviously playing it up. You know, he's doing the shaking hand and the trembling walk and all that sort of stuff. And they go down the stairs and there's threatening music playing in the background. The the nanny in the chair is mean, straight out of Psycho. Yes. I mean, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which, but is, which is interesting because I've gone for a gag like that where you wouldn't expect Psycho to be a hot on high rotation anywhere. So you rely no. on people to have seen it. Ten or, or nine years ago, or to be yeah. in the zeitgeist. To, to be, and I, you know, I don't. I think Psycho's reputation, great reputation, comes much later than when it was originally screened. Anyway, I or, or, or for other scenes. I yes. think it's remembered for the shower scene more than for the resolution. Yes, yes, that's true. But but, but but still interesting. So I made a comment. The very first note I've written for this is Tim is very angry and out of character at the start. So combining that with their comments about building very out of character. I get the feeling, I'll, I'll put to you this hypothesis, for the whole of season one, for these first six episodes, I don't think they've quite nailed what the goodies is, and with the possible exception of Graham, they haven't quite nailed what their characters are, I think and, it's, and it's really only when we get to next week's episode, which is Radio Goodies, where suddenly they just go, right, we have found the formula. I think that's certainly true for Tim. Bill, I mean, Bill, I, I think we acknowledge is probably a bit out of character here. I think it's true for Tim because you, you sort of have the, the thing, 
he's clearly in the earlier episodes, he's, he's one of the lads. He's forced to you know, drag up when they go to the Playgirls Club. It's obviously something he's done for a bit of fun at Christmas, probably when he was a bit, bit inebriated. You know, he's put on a skirt and done a funny voice for the other two or whatever. Yeah, which is disturbing. <laughs> well, it, it is a bit, but clearly that's what it's meant to be. It's, it's his Christmas party trick or whatever. He does that obviously under some sufferance because the other two have to say, look, we need this job, you know, get out and ring the, do your voice. Yeah. And, and I've been he's, in the Playgirls. He's Costas to Covenant. For well, it is. And, you know, and then when he goes in, I mean, there's all the stuff when he's in the Playgirls Club and he's like, you know, I can't look, I can't look, I really want to look, but I can't. And he, again, is, is obviously drag kicking and screaming to, to drag up here because, mm. again, he doesn't want to. It's because he doesn't want to do any, any housekeeping or nanny work. And, and he keeps slipping out of it quite deliberately. Yes. Well. You know, and, and of course, they, they sort of make him, you know, they, they, you're doing it, just take the phone and talk to them. You know, so. It's hard because a lot of his tropes that we sort of associate probably with Tim, like the patriotic speeches um, and the Union Jack waistcoat yeah. and whatever. Well, the Union Jack waistcoat doesn't come till much later, but we don't get a we don't get these patriotic speeches really until next um, until next season. So he it's he is the one playing most against type in terms of his own personality because he's supposed to be the establishment figure and and he Dimble Taylor really isn't at all. No, Where, and. I think later on as well, Tim becomes more of a figure of fun because he tends to be the one the other two make fun of. Of Yes. So when you have that kind of memory of what Tim becomes... Yes. ...and you see him here as quite an angry, forceful character, character uh, it really does feel... It, out, out it, it does. And I mean, the other two slip in. Graham is probably the one who slips into his character immediately, pretty yes. much. I mean, he's the, he's the loony scientist. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and, and the inventor of all their gear. Yeah, and that's really, and he maintains that really across, yeah, you know, across the rest of the series, and that's because the role requires someone mm. to, to, to do that. Tim, I think, Tim, what 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 role does Tim actually play within the group in these early early episodes? And because it's probably difficult to grasp, we don't really know what he's doing. And as you say, later on, I mean, when they found a role for him as the establishment figure, and a little bit of fun as well. Mm. Um, it's just what's embedded in our memory from years later in the series it doesn't sort of jibe with what we, we're seeing here no you can make the point later on when you get into the episodes or when they sort of move away from the agency idea a lot of their episodes tend to be one against the other two yep but it usually tends to be Tim and somebody against the third one not the other two against Tim a lot of the time no and indeed some of the ones that are Tim based like for example High Pressure yes are not some of the better remembered ones. No, or the one where he becomes the hunting nut. I must admit, that's what I'm very... I'm not looking forward to... I have very, very dim memories of that one. I'm very interested to see how that one stands up as an episode when we get round to that one. But anyway, but I guess going back to, to, to Cecily, I mean, look, yeah, he clearly is, is being made to be nanny under under some sufferance. Yes. Once he gets in there and he discovers clearly that they they decide they want to help this little girl. I mean, yeah. he clearly then becomes super nanny and then goes out and starts wrestling the Jaguar or whatever it is out in the garden and, and yes. indeed leaps into the Thames. Well, yes. yeah. And that's sort of a bad little segment, that bit. Well, I suppose we all know it, don't we? Because it's in the, it's in the, in the opening documents. credits. Well, actually, having seen that live, as it were, it is it is a very funny sequence because he's, he's, he's handed the kite and he runs and then he's in the water straight away. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, <laughs> it's a nice stunt. It's a yeah. nice stunt. It, 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 that stuff is very well filmed. Mm. The, the, the timing of those film sequences is very, very well done. Um, one other note that I had, although the goodies 
in theory, can do anything, anytime. I think we're starting to learn at this point in the series some things work better than others. Mm. And I'm glad they tried to go down this path, but I don't think it's a path I would have liked to see them go down a lot more. And it's not the sort of direction they go down a lot more mm. in the series. I think there is this feeling of trying the series out and going, what does and doesn't work. Well, we're only, this is the first season, we're only sort of six episodes. Wow. In, so yeah. and, and I think they're, they're getting a feel for what they can they, do. They can, what they can and can't What do. works in terms of an audience and reaction. And, and, and indeed, probably to an extent, what the BBC will let them do. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and as I say, we'll, we'll talk about this next week, but I think when you hit Radio Goodies, there's suddenly this feeling of everything suddenly clicks. Mm. That, that, that hasn't quite clicked for the last four or five mm. episodes. Mm. That have been better than I expected them to be. But there's a lot of cases of the thing is just not quite clicking. Another note that I just had here is a very, very minor point, is the idea that the goodies are going to save Cecily and send her away, which basically is them giving her a small bundle. Yeah. And, and, and just, and just, just sending just, her out into the world at age right. 12. That's right. I thought that was really quite... A, <laughs> well, when you think about it, it is, it is amusing. These grown men are sending this child out into the world. I mean... It, they're abandoning her basically well, to, to, to life. And um, yeah, now I'm not sure the idea was, you know, we'll meet, we'll meet you, you know, go and meet us at the post office in town or something. But she's still only got this tiny handkerchief of clothing. Yeah, I think I think with the goodies where there is no continuity as such, and it's just it's just episodes that have events that they're not looking for narrative sense all the time. No, they're looking for the gag. So. Um, sending off a child <laughs> by <laughs> themselves into the world is is a funny concept in and of itself. Oh, I'm not saying it's not a great gag. In fact, yeah. it's a wonderful mm. gag. Yeah. Um, it's just, a, I mean, the gag is that it doesn't work. Yeah. 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 Um, yes. No. That's that's very funny. And then she she blows up the house. Yes. Which yes. I wanted to raise one thing uh, which has to do with the the um, the film sequences where yes. uh, Graham has a pot in his hand and a stick and he puts the pot on oh, his Tommy head. Cooper. Yeah. Tommy Cooper thing. Uh, I, I saw that and I think I immediately made the reference because I'd, I'd heard of Tommy Cooper and I looked it up and Tommy Cooper, uh, famous comedian um, for many, many years, um, yes. well, very well known, ubiquitous even, and of course uh, equally as famous for sadly having a heart attack live on television and, 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 and basically dying, dying. dying on stage. And yep. if you are of a uh, sinister aspect or if you're ghoulish mm. like that, you, you can find that footage. The footage actually exists. Yes, it does. And I, 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 um, I jumped on to YouTube and the footage was there and I was getting up to the bit where he puts the coat on and I thought, after this point, he actually has his heart attack and falls to... The, no, um, I couldn't watch it, which makes me human, I think, so that's nice. That's nice. But yeah, it's, it's a strange one. But well, yeah, the, well, I, see, I, picked, I, mean, I picked up the reference He was also famous, of course, because a lot of most of his tricks, he was because he was supposed to be a magician and most of his tricks didn't work. Yes. And that was where the humour was and, of course, he immediately tried to cover it up. But yes. Well, and that's in the description that I've read of his death. The audience thought that that was part of the act, that he, he mm. was falling over. And it was only later that they, that they discovered that. The, uh... Yes, it's, um, Tommy Cooper's look a very good example of somebody in British pop culture who I only know From because the of the goodies. And really, it's probably also one of the first examples, and it probably leads into our first, of Graham actually doing one of his celebrity impressions. Because you get on later on where he does, uh, is it Eddie Waring? Now, I mean, that is somebody, unless you'd watched the goodies, I don't think anyone in Australia would even have the vaguest idea who Eddie Waring was. No. And I still don't, really. But I, I get he was obviously a rugby commentator, but, or Nicholas Parsons. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, I remember we watched, and again, we link back to Doctor Who, but I mean, I remember watching the, the Doctor Who he's in, and it's like, oh, that's Nicholas Parsons. That's right. Because, again, nothing, I don't think anything Nicholas Parsons had done really had been on here. I suppose for a cer people of a certain age, in terms of their knowledge of British culture. pop culture or culture, yeah. 
it's through the window or yeah. the prism of the goodies. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll come to our regular segments. We've started off with our first times. Any other first times here? Um, I I didn't have any. I thought this was actually no. Quite straightforward. I don't think I really had any others either. No. Fair enough. We'll jump then to the ads. Now we had two <laughs> ads on this occasion. Yes, and there are ads in this one too. Yes. <laughs> no, we all we all saw the ads on this occasion. So the first is. A, a stranger one, the um, Supermatic camera. Yes. Um, any comments on that one, guys? Uh, well, no. it certainly wasn't screened here. Um, <laughs> we'd only, uh, when, that, when Cecily was screened here, there was only one ad. Yes, well, I've just got <laughs> notes for that one. More nudity, so... Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, at least, she's, at least she, well, she's actually just wearing a bikini, but... Is she? Oh, she's wearing... She's yeah, not top, no, yeah. she's topless, at least. No, I don't think so. I no, think I she, think no. she's got a bikini. She's, she's wearing... Oh, it's, it's bra and underwear. Oh, but, I'll have to uh, look bikini or bra and underwear. I'll look at that again, I'm actually. Yeah, look, again. that was okay. And um, again, and again. <laughs> and the second one was the Raz... Oh, which, I, must, I like the Raz. Yeah, it's, 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 it's funnier than the episode itself. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, it works, it works so... Every part of it just works. Yeah. Um, the, the, the looks that Tim's just giving... No, no, <laughs> and the, the the slow escalation of yeah. you know what would what would you trade in for your packet of rays, and then the punchline I didn't see coming, mm. and it's just a wonderful takedown. It is, and, it's and, a wonderful takedown. And then Tim's quizzical look to camera just at the end, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the bit at the start grows as you know I'm here, and so before we get arrested. Am I <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's no, very good. I, yeah, no, the I, really, Rezo, I, I really like the Razad. And, and the Razad, I think, when we think about goodies adverts, yeah, you think about the beans one, which we haven't had yet. Yeah, we haven't had one of those. All, yet. all, all the stuff like the Razad, I think that's a very mm. big staple of what they, what they are remembered for. So I'd probably go so far as that's probably the best ad they've done to, to date. I think. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. I would agree. Yeah, that's that's probably fair. Uh, what couldn't they get away with these days? Uh, I had one example. Three grown men looking after a 12-year-old? Sorry. I can't no, well, 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 in fairness, they did actually have to have a woman there to do it. So Fair enough. That was taken yeah, through. Yes. But yes. Yes, that couldn't be one. Sorry, I cut you off. Yeah, yeah no, look, um, uh, definitely it would be the African native. Yes, that was the one I had, the, the African native jumping up, running off into the... It's not so much even it's the natives. The fact they go, and yes. then run off. Yes. Well, like they, the white that, couple, were they meant to be canoodling or they yes, actually they, natives no, they, in no, the... No, they were meant to be canoodling. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. And Because they, they had a blanket or something they were lying on and then they took right. off. I, I thought they were just hiding in the long grass really hunting, but no. No, because they, they do make that joke a few times, mm. I think, during the series where they go in unexpected locations and there's couples in there, you know. Yeah, yeah. and then that one, look, that, that's a fairly yeah. stupid gag that would still go today, but yes, no, um, I don't think you can justify at all the... No. The... <laughs> um, favourite lines or favourite gags? Uh, well, I liked, and I made a note of this, I look forward to the pleasure, but I doubt I'll get it. I thought that was a little bit clever. That was. There was that one. I mean, there's a bit we mentioned earlier with Graham comforting the crying Tim. Yeah. The other bit, I, I must admit, that did raise a smile is a bit where they're looking through the ads and it says, wanted three men to live with the three raving dolly birds. <laughs> and Tim sort of does a, that's not what we're after. You speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, look, that, that's, that's not too bad. I think that's, that's another good example of a bit of innuendo that actually worked. Do, yeah. does work and stand up. Um, I, I had a couple of lines. The uh, over my dead body... Yes, <laughs> that that works quite well just for the uncle's delivery. He's, yep. he's the perfect casting for that. 
But the visual gag that worked for me because it came out of nowhere was the jaguar catching the ball. Oh. Um, <laughs> when Tim throws the ball and suddenly the jaguar jumps up and catches it. <laughs> it just comes out of nowhere. It's very mm. cleverly done. So I look, I got laughs out of this one, but there were long sequences where I didn't laugh. Yes. But at the end of the day, it. At the end of the day, I'm watching it going, what was all that about? And it just didn't quite gel for me. Well, really, as I said at the start, I think for me, it was the idea, the, 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 the idea of the night in the haunted house, you really should have been able to just mine that and mine yep. that for gags. And, and they didn't, really. No, they fumbled that very much. Yeah. Yeah, and, and even, I think they were going partly for the gag of all these funny things going on around them and they're just playing mm. um, happy families or whatever. But then they kind of trying to have the cake and eat it as well by having Bill get attacked by the spider, for example. So mm. you, you either go for we're completely oblivious to the horror or you go for the horror. But the thing is, they that when they the... go downstairs, when Bill does get attacked by the spider, you hear that horrible off-camera off scream yep. and they go running back and they don't think it's Cecily. They actually think it's Bill. So they go running back to the kitchen. The spider lifts off mm. and then he actually says he's been asleep. Mm. He actually says, yes. I've just dropped off. Yes. Now, clearly it wasn't then him screaming, but... Yes. Yeah. Which, which again comes back to the the whole thing actually doesn't hold up. No. No. Um, but look, if you were watching it once at 10 o'clock on a Sunday, mm. it, who, who cares? But when you're analysing it for a podcast, <laughs> unfortunately... It just, if it doesn't hang together, we'll take it apart. It just doesn't work, but, but in, in, in fairness to Tim Graham and Bill... They didn't know this would be happening 46 years No, later, well, that's so. true. All that, that, yeah, it's really 46 years later. Three sad men in a room would be sitting here talking about it. That's right. No, speaking of three sad men in a room sitting here talking about it, um, if you are enjoying our sad little attempt to talk about the goodies, please do give us a review on iTunes or please do tell your friends or retweet our tweets. All the details are in the outgoing credits. Uh, next time, we will be coming along with what I think is a well-known classic. And well-loved, yes, well-loved well episode, so yes. I think we'll hopefully all look forward to Radio Goodies next week. And who knows, on the way, you may take a walk in the Black Forest. You've been listening to the Goodies Pirate Podcast, the Australian podcast that puts the good in goodies. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please do leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode or your thoughts on upcoming episodes. So please drop us a line by email at pirategoodiespc at gmail.com. Send us a tweet at at pirategoodiespc or find us on Facebook at facebook.com stroke pirategoodiespc. Goodies, goody, goody, yum, yum. crown jewels for your packet of Raz washing powder. <laughs> she just won't swap. And that's what we normally find. Most Raz users are too stupid to know a good thing when they see it. <laughs>